Praise the Lord. This is the fourth part in the series of messages that I entitled Signs, Signs, Everywhere the Signs. And as I've said before, this uh, title was inspired by a song that was written in, or not written, but produced in 1971. And they sang, Signs, Signs, Everywhere the Signs. And they also sang, the sign said, long-haired, freaky people need not apply. It was for a job. But my wife showed me a picture where somebody had posted, uh, due to the job or the uh, labor shortage, long-haired, freaky people are welcome to apply. Things are changing, folks, okay? Things are changing. Uh, One of the the issues that somebody raised about the whole labor shortage thing while we're on it just for a moment is that, you know, we have people that are inviting everybody from other parts of the world into our country, whether they do it right or not. And because of the labor shortage, uh, the concern is that those folks that are coming in without a job are going to take all the jobs, and then the folks that are getting extra unemployment are no longer going to get that, nor will they have a job available. And so um, we need to keep that in prayer, I believe. Anyway, anybody who uses a car or a truck or any kind of vehicle, they're looking at uh, signs all the time. We've got to pay attention to the signs. We must pay attention to the road signs. Turn here. Don't turn here. Yield. Stop. Go. Move. Left. Right. Whatever. And there's road signs that tell you how the road's going to go. And there's all kinds of signs everywhere. Those machines that we call cars and trucks are big, they're heavy, they're dangerous, and we need to be able to operate them in a way that keeps us on the path, on the road. Countless people have been injured, maimed, and killed by others who were not paying attention. And this is why we have laws against driving intoxicated or texting while driving, because you've got to pay attention to the road. You've got to pay attention to the road that you are on. And the same is with followers of Christ. We need to pay attention to the path or the road that we're on. And there are signs that indicate where we are along that road. The one we call Jesus instructed His earliest followers about those signs. And the signs that He taught about were not road signs. They were signs as events and attitudes and actions that would indicate His soon return. Anyone who walks the way of Christ needs to pay attention to the signs that He foretold, because it's going to show us that He's getting nearer. He's coming. He's on His way. Now, today we're going to start with the 13th chapter of Luke's gospel record, And if you've got a Bible in your seats there and you'd like to open it, you can open it to page 1625. But I think before we read, I'd like for us to pray again. Father, the signs are everywhere. Oh, Lord. But we're so busy that many of us are overlooking them. And this, of course, boosts the importance of Christ's message for today. Help us, Father, to explore the map of Your Word. Help us to yield to You. 
Please allow your Holy Spirit to remove any obstructions that would block our vision. And God, please override deception. Turn us to the cross of Christ. Open our eyes to see. Open our ears to hear. Help us to submit to your word as our guide. And thank you for making the way to cleanse us from iniquity, Father. Because you so loved the world that you gave your only begotten Son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Help me, Lord, as I yield completely to you for your use alone. And help me to speak clearly and concisely. Bless everyone who's within the sound of my voice, Father, and let us receive wisdom from above to override any earthly or sensual or demonic teachings. In Christ's name I pray, and all of God's people said, Amen. Luke chapter 21, and I did have the time this morning to uh, put some slides together with those passages. We're going to read from Luke's gospel record beginning at verse 5. Then as some spoke of the temple, how it was adorned with beautiful stones and donations, he said, these things which you see, the days will come in which not one stone shall be left upon another that shall not be thrown down. So they asked him, saying, teacher, when will these things be? And what sign will there be when these things are about to take place? And he said, Christ our Lord said, Take heed that you not be deceived. For many will come in my name, saying, I am he. And the time has drawn near, therefore do not go after them. But when you hear of wars and commotions, do not be terrified, for these things must come to pass first, but the end will not come immediately. Then he said to them, Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there will be great earthquakes in various places, and famines and pestilences, and there will be fearful sights and great signs from heaven. But before all these things, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons. You will be brought before kings and rulers for my name's sake, but it will turn out for you as an occasion for testimony. Therefore, settle it in your hearts not to meditate beforehand on what you will answer, for I will give you a mouth and wisdom which all your adversaries will not be able to contradict or resist." You will be betrayed even by parents and brothers, relatives and friends. They will put some of you to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But not a hair of your head shall be lost. By your patience possess your souls. For when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then know its desolation is near. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let those who are in the midst of her depart. Let those who are not, excuse me, who are in the country, and let not those who are in the country enter her. For these are the days of vengeance, that all things which are written may be fulfilled. But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days. For there will be great distress in the land and wrath upon this people. And they will fall by the edge of the sword and be led away captive unto all nations. And Jerusalem will be trampled by Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles are fulfilled. And there will be signs in the sun, in the moon, and in the stars, and on the earth distress of nations with perplexity 
perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them from fear with the, and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. After all those things take place. Now, when these things begin to happen, look up and lift up your heads because your redemption draws near. Then he spoke to them a parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. When they are already budding, you see and know for yourselves that summer is now near. So you also, when you see these things happening, know that the kingdom of God is near. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away until all things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. But take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and cares of this life, that that day come on you unexpectedly. For it will come as a snare on all those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch, therefore, and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. I pray that God would add His blessing to the reading and hearing of His Word. I trust that He will open our minds to receive what He has for us, and He will open my mouth to speak. Amen. In each of the messages of this series of messages, we've heard the one called Jesus, the one that we call Jesus, foretell the signs preceding His return. This is the third gospel record that we've looked at. We looked at Mark's gospel record, chapter 24. We've looked at, excuse me, Matthew's chapter, Matthew chapter 24, Mark chapter 13, and now Luke chapter 21. And all three give details. Some give different details, some that the others didn't have. As I was preparing this message, it occurred to me that we are beginning to see many of these disturbing signs. In fact, the signs have been happening ever since He was here. There's been persecution. There has been war. There has been famine. There have been people that have been turning against their parents and those who've turned against their children. The destruction of the worship center at that time was deeply disturbing to those people at that time. False teachers, false apostles, false shepherds, false pastors, false prophets have abounded. And they're nothing short of distressing. Wars and reports of wars, rumors of wars are, are very stressful. We don't like to hear of war. But when it's way off somewhere, we can kind of ignore that sign. Ethnic differences and divisions are disturbing, and we're starting to see that ramp up all over the world, even in this country. Great earthquakes are taking place all over the world, and he said that this would happen, and that's increasing with frequency. Famines and virulent diseases and other types of pestilences can cause us great concern. Fearful sights and great signs from heaven are going to come, and they will upset many. But the end isn't yet. That's what he says. Even though these things have taken place all over the world since the time of Christ, and as disturbing as they are, they have not been widespread in this land yet. We haven't heard of a, an earthquake that split the land in half or an earthquake that's knocked a piece off into the ocean. 
But there are other places where earthquakes are becoming more and more frequent, including here in this land, but they're not as large as would be reported. It seems as though things are changing here, though. And the change is subtle, just like the devil who brings it. It's just a little bit. It's like a little bit of yeast. You could take a whole bag of flour, mix some water in with it, and put a tiny little bit of yeast in it, and it will permeate that entire lump of dough. And that's what we're seeing. We're seeing it in the body. We're seeing it in the church. There's false teachers and false prophets, false teachings, doctrines of demons. But when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, it's written in Luke chapter 21 and verse 20, then know that its desolation is near. And just 40 or so years after Christ, Jerusalem was encompassed by armies, the temple was destroyed, it was overrun by Gentiles, and that continued to be the case for a very long time. Now that passage, I believe, refers to that time when the physical temple was destroyed, but I believe it also refers to the end of days. I think we're going to see Jerusalem encompassed about by armies. I think we're going to see great tribulation. We're going to see war, unlike any other before. And it is written. I'm not going to bring all of that today. But Luke tells us that these are the days of vengeance. That's what the Lord said that all things which are written may be fulfilled. He says it's going to be fulfilled, and we need to recognize the fulfillment as it's coming to pass. It's happening. We're seeing it. These are the days of vengeance. So whose vengeance is it? Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. It's His vengeance. Now, it's also written, Now, when we see these things begin to happen, we're to look up, lift up our heads, for our redemption draws near. When we're seeing these things, we need to be more heavenly focused than earthly focused. In Isaiah chapter 12, it is written, Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid, for Yah, the Lord, is my strength and song. He also has become my salvation. Therefore, with joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. And that is something to rejoice about. Even as we see the signs of His coming, we need to be looking up and knowing that our salvation is drawing near. The Lord is, the, is my light and my salvation. It's written in Psalm 27 in verse 1. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? And that's easy for us to say those words, to mouth those words, to hear those words. But how hard is it whenever things are looking really bad? It, it, you have to be prepared, folks. We know we're seeing the signs. It's obvious by what's written in His Word, if we pay attention to it. All of these signs can be upsetting. All of these signs can cause great concern. But the one that's found in Luke 21.16, I have to say, really bothers me. It's not the only one that really bothers me, but I want to focus on this one. You will be betrayed even by parents and brothers 
relatives and friends. And if that wasn't bad enough, he goes on to say they will put some of you to death. Parents, brothers, relatives, and friends, your kinfolk are going to turn against you. The people that are closest to you, the people that ought to be closest to you, are going to turn against you. Now, all over the world, this has happened for centuries. And somebody converts to Christ, and their family turns against them. He predicted it would happen. We haven't seen that here so much, but we're starting to. We're starting to see families turn against one another. There are people that thought we were murderers because we wouldn't lock the doors here. People turning against us because we stood on the principles of God's Word. He says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together, especially as you see the day of His return approaching. I think that's just going to get worse if His Word is true, and I believe it is. This is a disturbing sign. Some people and religions do not tolerate conversion to following the one that we call Jesus, Yahashua, His real name. They don't tolerate that. They don't even tolerate using His real name, much less following Him, following His way, the way of Christ. And this is a disturbing sign, and it bothers me because family matters to me. Family matters to me. My nephew were here, he'd tell you, but he's not here. Jim, <laughs> I'm picking on you. Jim brings him up from Pittsburgh. Anyway, you know, God uses family terms to describe His people. And maybe because we're all considered brothers and sisters in Christ, and we're children of Almighty God, maybe this is why it, it kind of bothers me very deeply, or maybe that's why it jumped off the page at me as I was preparing for the message today. It's written in Luke chapter 12 and verse 51 through 53. Do you suppose... Now, this is our Lord. See... We know that the intimacy and, 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 and family bonds are important to God. His Word makes that clear. There are many, many passages I've looked at. I won't read them all, but there are many terms where God, many times when God says that you are my people, my family, you're my children. And when we hear what our Lord said, it makes me wonder. Because He said, do you suppose that I came to give peace on earth? I tell you, not at all, but rather division. For from now on, five in one house will be divided, three against two, two against three. From now on, he said, from then on, father will be divided against son, son against father, mother against daughter, daughter against mother, mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law because of Christ. Not because you like different colors or the carpet's not the way you like it or the paint's not... You He's talking about because of your faith. People will be divided because of faith in Christ. And this is a quote of Micah chapter 7 and verse 6. Matthew and Mark both recorded that. Micah warned, man's enemies are the men of his house. And Matthew wrote it this way, and, and it's written in Matthew chapter 10 and verse 36, a man's enemies will be those of his own household. 
Can you, can you get that? Like, the people that you're closest to could turn against you, could cause you to be persecuted because of your faith, because you are holding to the Word of Almighty God and what it says, not what somebody else says. And we know this applies even to Christ, because it was a man who was of his own household, that was one of his closest associates, who turned him in, who got him persecuted, who got him punished and eventually killed. But remember, he called the twelve to himself. He called the twelve to himself, and this is important. And he sent them out two by two and gave them power over unclean spirits. The twelve included Judas, the one that turned him in. He gave him power over unclean spirits. Judas was healing people. Judas was ministering to people. Judas was preaching and teaching like the others, and still... He turned on Christ. Now, if someone who is right up next to Christ had learned what they learned from Him directly, if somebody that, that was that close to Him would turn Him in, that should be cause for concern for all believers when this time that He's speaking of comes to be. Because anybody could turn anybody in. And yours truly doesn't think lightly of that. I just say, well, let it be, Lord, because His Word, as we go on, tells us that He'll give us what to say when we're on trial. But think also, if anybody argues against Judas being close to the Lord, and like one of his insiders, remember what's written in Matthew chapter 19. Assuredly, I say to you that in the regeneration, when the Son of Man sits on the throne of His glory, you who have followed Me will also sit on how many thrones? Twelve thrones, judging twelve tribes of Israel. Now, at that time, He was also including Judas in that role as one of the heads over the twelve tribes. Judas wasn't some guy that was off in the margin somewhere. Judas was right up there with him. The one that we call Jesus was betrayed by somebody close to him. He wasn't somebody that was distant. And he said one of those signs of his return is that we would be too, or could be. And as we see the signs unfolding, enduring in Christ to the end is something that believers must comprehend. Enduring to the end, not giving up, not walking away, not falling away, because His Word makes it clear there is going to be a great falling away, and I believe we're in the midst of it. I think we're seeing it. I think this past year has shown me very clearly that there are a lot of people that are going to sell out their faith for a piece of bread, because that's what's going to be at stake at some point in time. You're not going to be able to have bread. You won't be able to pay for your lights. If you don't do what you're told, you won't have gasoline for your car or truck. 
You can look at the signs, but you won't be able to ride by them. Because without that mark, we're going to discuss that more next week, without that mark, you won't buy or sell anything. Now, he said, and it's written in Luke chapter 21 and 17, you will be hated by all for my name's sake. That's one of the signs. You're going to be hated. You who stick to what Christ says, you who stick to the Word of God are going to be hated. That's what he says. But he also said, blessed are you when they hate you when they exclude you and revile you and cast out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake, rejoice in that day and leap for joy. For indeed, your reward is great in heaven. For in like manner their fathers did to the prophets. He said, rejoice. When you're hated for your faith, rejoice. Whenever you are cast out for your faith, rejoice. Whenever people speak evil of you for your faith, rejoice, because you are being blessed and your reward is in heaven. You will be hated by all for my name's sake. It's written in Matthew chapter 10 and verse 22. But he who endures to the end will be saved. You see, that endurance factor is important, folks. And the only way that you're going to build the strength to endure is to exercise your faith. And right now, we're getting plenty of opportunities to exercise our faith. We may not recognize them as such, but that's what they are. They're opportunities for us to exercise our faith. I'm going to walk by faith. There was a young lady here last week who was arrested for standing on her convictions. We had a chance to sit down and talk with her. I thank Jim for inviting her here. Arrested for standing upon her convictions. That's just the start of it, folks. It's just the start of it. Our Lord said it's going to happen. Now, it's happening all over the world, and as I've said before, it hasn't happened a lot here, but I think it's going to get worse. In fact, He says it will. Evil men will wax worse and worse, or grow worse and worse. There's going to be more and more evil people. If the world hates you, it's written in John chapter 15, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world... The world would love its own. In other words, the world would love you if you were of the world. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. But all these things they will do to you for my name's sake, because they do not know him who sent me. And when somebody proclaims to be a follower of Christ and persecutes another believer, someone who claims to be a follower of Christ, you've got to check that fruit, folks, because the Word of God says they don't know God. That's what His Word says. And even though life can be much easier for those who are friends of the world, for a time anyway, we're warned against it. In fact, it's written in James chapter 4 and verse 4, adulterers and adulteresses are being accused of cheating on God. Adulterers and adulteresses. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. If we're friends with the world, we are God's enemies. That's what His Word says. 
There's no way around that. There's no wiggle room. There's nothing that says, well, except, or unless. Unless you say a little prayer and you're in the world and of the world, no, it doesn't say that. What it says is, if you're a friend of the world, you are an enemy of God. And this is one of the signs that we're going to see according to God's Word, that we're going to have people who come in His name, say that He's the Christ, but they're not going to be of Him. In 1 John, excuse me, 1 John chapter 5, verses 2 through 5, we hear this, by this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep His commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world but he who believes that Jesus, Yahashua, is the Son of God? How do we overcome the world? By our faith. By our faith in Christ. By our faith in that one that we call Jesus, the Messiah. By our faith in Almighty God. And we find many warnings in Scripture about the last days, or the latter days, the end of time. And I'm going to read just a couple of them today, maybe three, before we wrap up, because I want you to hear what God's Word says. We've looked at what Christ said, now we hear what Paul and Peter said, two who are not Christ, and yet they bring out the same teaching that He taught. But but know this. This is in 2 Timothy chapter 3, that in the last days perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves. How many people are lovers of themselves? It's happening, folks. We're seeing it. Lovers of their own selves, lovers of money, boasters proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, heady, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. And the final line there says, and from such turn away. They have a form of godliness, but they're really denying Him. Turn away from them. That's what God's Word says. These are signs of Christ's coming because they're signs of the last days. We go to 1 Timothy chapter 4, we hear this, the Spirit speaks expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies in hypocrisy having their conscience seared with a hot iron. In other words, their consciences don't even relate to them the error of their way. They're lost in their sin, and they don't know it. It's one of the hardest things as a pastor for me to deal with is when somebody's lost in their sin, and they deny it. They're self-deceived. 
And sometimes God's Word tells us He sends the delusion. He sends that so that they don't even know because they love unrighteousness. That's what His Word says. They command, excuse me, I'm going to get back to the speaking, lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry, commanding to abstain from meats, which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good and nothing to be refused, if it be received with thanksgiving. For it is sanctified by the Word of God and prayer. I can't tell you how many times people tell me, you can't eat that or you can't eat this, you can't eat that, you can't eat this. Well, show me in God's Word. Well, they'll show me. They'll show me some passages in Scripture that say for the people of Israel that they were not to eat this or that or the other thing or whatever it was. And then God's Word, they forget this part, though, where God says it's all to be received with thanksgiving and prayer. We're there, folks. It's one of the signs that that's going to grow. It's going to get worse. Knowing this, it's written in 2 Peter chapter 3, Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers, walking after their own lusts, and saying, where is the promise of His coming? And for since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. You will have people who call themselves believers who are going to say, wait a minute, he said he's coming, he's not, he's not coming. You got it wrong. You got it wrong. No, everything's the same as it's always been. That's what happened in the days of Noah, and he said it'll be as in the days of Noah. People will be eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage. They're going to go on a day-to-day just like they always have. But let's read in 2 Timothy chapter 3, this know also that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men will be lovers of their own selves. You see, it's not the same. It appears to be the same. Covetousness has always been around. Our Lord proclaimed that it was a problem in His time. Boasters, proud, blasphemers, those who speak lies, it's always been around, right? But it's getting worse because the evil men are growing worse. Those who are bringing evil upon this planet are increasing. As I wrap this up, I pray that all who hear this message will recognize that our, in fact, right now, these days, our days, are those days foretold. We are among that time. From the time of Christ until the time He returns, those are the last days. And it's been a couple thousand years. We're nearing His return. And whether or not we're alive to see it, I can't say that. But I can tell you this. He's coming. He's coming again. He said He was. I have never doubted that. We're not at the end of the last days. We're close, though. But if you're not aware of what's been foretold, you could miss it. You could miss His coming. You could be among those who are grieved at His coming. You won't be ready for the troubles that are coming. 
And that one sign that's beginning to rear its ugly head right now, you won't be ready for it. You won't be prepared. And that's what we're going to look at next week. So I ask that you would pray for me during the week as I prepare the message notes so that we can see what God's Word says, not what I think or what I believe. Every once in a while I'll say, well, I believe this, but it could also be this, because God's Word is not clear about some things. I pray for discernment, and I pray for all of you to have discernment, that you'll recognize what Christ said is true, and every man can be a liar. He said He's coming back. He said to be watchful. He said if you're not watchful, you could miss it. That's what He said. And so I want all of you to be prepared. I don't want anybody to be caught off guard when Christ returns. Now let's pray. Heavenly Father, I do thank You, Lord, for Your Word. It is true. We know that it's true. And so, God, I ask that You would help all of us to search Your Word for Your truth. And if there's anything, Lord, that I have stated that is not true to Your Word, I ask that You would show it to me and show it to others so that we could sit down together with Your Word in front of us and search it out to find the exact truth of Your Word, Lord. But if it is absolutely true as Your Word states, then, God, I ask that You would seed it in our hearts, that we would recognize, God, that You and You alone are in control of all of these things. You're allowing them in Your timeline. Draw us nearer to You, Father. Help each of us to search Your Word for Your truth, to live our lives by it watchfully as we await the return of our Lord and Savior. And all of God's people said, Amen.